Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 8 as we go through the Bible. 2 Kings, now if you remember with me from our last lesson, we studied about Syria coming again and besieging the city. And when they were besieging the city, there was some really ugly stuff. Women eating their babies. And, and I mean, because they were hungry. There was nothing there. There was such a starvation going on. Uh, and, and these lepers, these lepers noticed uh, that the city, was, or excuse me, that the Syrians' camp was empty because God brought a, a fear upon them. God fights the battle for us. And he, he caused them to get up and to flee. And so these lepers, who were going to die anyway, they said, wow, if we go into the city of Jerusalem, we're going to die because they don't have any food. So let's go over to the Syrian camp. And, and if they give us food, then we can live for a while longer. But if not, then we're going to die anyway because we're lepers. We're dying anyway. Now, leprosy, um, if you'll remember, is, is a type of... Uh, sin, it separates you. Under the law, they were not allowed to be around anybody else uh, that was Jewish. They would have to say, unclean, unclean. They had to stay way away, uh, many feet if the wind was blowing. But they get to the camp, and there's nobody there. And, 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 and here, all the, the spoils are there in the enemy's camp. And then they go and tell uh the king and the people at the city. Now the king, he's not very believing, so he doesn't understand that God has delivered them. And he's actually, oh, this is what they've done. They've went and hid, and when we come out, they're going. And so they said, well, let's send a delegation out. And they go out, and for sure, uh, the, the Syrians have fled. God has won the battle again for them, and he always does. It's like we were talking about earlier, but God. Listen, you might be in a place in your life where there's a famine or you might feel bad, but God. Put God into the equation. Add God to what's going on in your life. Put His Word, prayer, and fellowship in your life and draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Begin to have a love relationship with God <coughs> Excuse me. that's real and personal and it's based upon His Word because it reveals to you what His character and nature and will is. It's his story or history of what he's doing, what he's done, and what he's going to do. So we can have a foundation of truth through his word. Listen, why is that important? Because as we begin chapter 8, listen, 8 is the number of new beginnings. You can have a new beginning today with the word of God instructing you. We're going to see the Shumanite woman again. Remember, we've seen the Shumanite woman in chapter 4. This is a woman who was godly, her and her husband, and, and they actually built a place for uh, Elisha to come and live in their house and stay in their house. They made a place for the prophet of God who brought the word of God to be in their house. Have you made a place in your house for the word of God? Very important that we understand this. That you have to carve out time and make a place for the Word of God. And why? Because you want to know the Word of God and you want to learn to obey the Word of God. Salvation means deliverance from the sin nature. It means that you have repented, metanoia, and changed your mind. 
You've been living for yourself, and now you want to live for God. So we need to receive the instruction of God, which comes through his word. And when we hear his word, we want to turn and obey and follow. He set us free from the penalty of sin, took our wrath on the cross. He set us free from the power of sin, because the power of sin was death. The wages of sin is death, and now death has been defeated, and we have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now he set us free to follow him, that we would learn to obey him. And when we fall short, we're not going to be punished. We get back up, we ask for forgiveness, and we keep running this race following God. We're learning to follow God and have a personal love relationship with him. So listen, let's start reading in 2 Kings chapter 8. And it's the ministry of Elisha. So then Elisha, now Elisha means God is salvation. So important that we understand that. Then Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. Listen to me. It's very important that you understand. The Word of God is our instruction. If we will build a relationship with God and have a relationship with the Word of God, it will always prepare us for what's coming. It will tell us what's coming. Because God has already told his people, he's our friend, and he wants us to know what's coming. Listen to me. The prophet Elijah is where the word of God would come from in the Old Testament uh, dispensation. The word, the prophet would go to God, God would tell him, and they would come back and tell it to the people. And then the people had a choice whether they wanted to obey or not. Listen to me. This woman who had the son, who died. Remember, he was out in the field. Elisha restored him to life. We're going to see that four times. Listen, restored to life four times we're going to see in this text. This is the theme that we want to see here. Restored to life. It means to be made whole or to save alive. Now listen to me. The word of God is instructing her that something's coming. Something's coming. What's coming, Greg? God has called for a famine. Now, why is that important? Because we just had a small famine. We just had Syria besiege the city, and God saved them from it. He was warning them. He was allowing the enemy to come and attack them, and he was warning them, but he can save them if they repent and turn to him. And they did. The king even was in sackcloth and, and ashes. The king was praying. The king was... was was looking for God even though he didn't believe that God would help and his officials didn't believe that God would help but God came through and sent the Syrians the enemy to flight and they were supposed to learn from that and stop their evil ways of turning from the word of God yet we see now that God is calling for seven years famine do you know that right now there's a lot going on on our planet you can see what God is doing by reading his word. He's bringing judgment. This right here was local, just on the nation of Israel. But right now, when you look out around the landscape, look at the judgment that's upon, it's on the whole world. There's, there's an economic collapse. There, there's a, there's a, what they're calling a pandemic. It's a pandemic. 
and it's, it's, it's worldwide. It's not just a famine in one place. It's not just problems in one place. The whole world is being set up looking for a leader that will save us all. Who shows up? We're going to see soon. The Antichrist will show up. He's going to come and go, da 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 da, here I am, I'll save you. And people will make him the leader. See, the Word of God tells us this is going to happen. The Word of God tells us that in the last days will be perilous times. The Word of God prepares us for this famine. Right now, you know what the famine is? The Word of God. God has brought himself. Right here, he called for a famine. God has called a famine. He has brought a famine for the Word of God because people wouldn't believe the simple truth. People wouldn't obey him. People wouldn't look to him. And they wanted to chase their own things. And so now... There's a famine for the Word of God in the land. And people don't know the Word of God. They go, I'm a Christian. But you talk to them about the Word of God, they know absolutely nothing about the Word of God. Listen, today's the day to begin reading the Word of God, drawing near to God, asking God, what's going on? Why does the Middle East look like it's in chaos? Listen, everything's falling into place. Ezekiel 38 war is getting ready to happen. The church is getting ready to be raptured out and go to be with Jesus. And you know what the Bible says in in 2 Peter? That scoffers will say, you've been saying that forever. The same way they did in the days of Noah. Scoffers in the church will say, you've been saying that forever. Life's going to be fine. It's going to be good. The economy's going to recover. Biden isn't going to be president forever. We're going to get through this. Listen, God is bringing judgment upon the planet for ignoring him. He's called for a famine of the word of God. We are in the last days. Wake up. Let Christ give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Don't walk like the fool. Walk like the wise. Look to his word, to his instruction. Right here, what happens? This woman has a relationship with the word of God, the prophet of God. She believes God. And when this woman was told, arise and go, take your household, stay wherever you can, because the Lord has called for a famine for seven years. What does she do? Look at verse two. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. She And she went with her household and dwelt in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Do you see what she did? She obeyed the word of God. She believed God. All through the Bible, people have believed God, and it's been accounted to them as righteousness. Or you can disobey God and disbelieve God and be unbelieving and never see the salvation of God. You'll never see yourself restored to life unless you believe God. The word is pistio in the New Testament. It means to entrust your spiritual well-being into something. And in this case, case, into Christ Jesus our Lord. But then if you believe by that faith, the next word is pistis. And it means to have a constancy after you believe. You continue to believe. You continue to obey. You continue to learn to run this race, build this relationship, And listen to what God has to say, not what the world has to say. The world is telling us, oh, take a vaccine and you'll be fine. Oh, put on a mask and you'll be fine. Oh, we're going to have to all come together for this one world leader to lead us. And everything's going to be okay. We'll protect you. Listen to me. 
It's the lie of the wicked one. We want to listen to the knowledge of God, to the word of God, to the truth of God, and know that this is the one that's not a liar. There's no lie in God, and he will take care of us. Listen, the woman listened and obeyed and did according to the word of God or the prophet of God, the man of God that delivered it to her, her and her whole household. So they go away. They went to the enemy's camp even. The Philistines are the enemies of God. The Philistines are actually going to take care of them. So listen, when, when, they, when we know that they can go to the next country over, we see that this famine is localized, right? It's right on top of just Israel. And that's why I'm telling you, you can't go anywhere and escape what's going on on the planet right now. You're not going to go anywhere and escape one world government. You're not going to go anywhere and escape one world economy. You're not going to go anywhere and escape one world religion. It's coming and it's coming fast. Listen to me. The Antichrist is coming. And we need to be awake and ready and make sure that we're listening to what God is saying. And yet most people are acting like, oh, it's normal. Let's just put on a mask and be normal. That's not normal. Putting on a mask is not normal. In fact, you know what putting on a mask does? It interferes with the breath of life that God has given us. He gives us the breath of life. He breathed into our nostril. And it wants to interfere with us so that something else brings fear upon us and causes us to do things that the Word of God does not tell us to do. Evil. Deceptive. Verse 3. And it came to pass. Listen. Don't you love that verse? I know. If you've been with us long, you know that I always go, it came to pass. And this too will pass. Whatever you was fighting a couple years ago, last year, maybe last week, it will come to pass. It's there to test you and to try you, to show you your heart. God's not trying to destroy you. He loves you. He demonstrated his love for us. And now while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now he wants to restore you. To life. Now he wants to make you whole. He wants to sanctify you. He didn't die for you and then wake you up and allow you to have faith to believe in his son Jesus so he could destroy you. He wants to get you across the finish line and he wants to make you whole and use you as his ambassador to witness to other people the great goodness and the love of God that's been poured out upon this planet. It came to pass. I love that. It would be the way to start out a great testimony of God's goodness. At the end of seven years, now seven, of course, number of completion, number of making whole, that the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to make an appeal, that the King James says, to cry out to the king for her house and for her land. So she comes back. Really, seven years is, is a time period where, uh, uh, the Jubilee, you can get your property back. Seven years is within the law, in the Jewish law, where you could get your stuff back if you sold it or you got rid of it or you left it. Whoever's had it, it has to give it back because you, you can't take your inheritance from you. And, and the property was supposed to stay in each person's lives, in their tribes. At the end of every seven years, you'd get it back. So maybe this is the cry that she's bringing to the king. I've been gone for seven years. Watch what happens. This is pretty amazing God's sovereignty, God's timing is perfect. Here she comes back after seven years in the, in the land of the Philistines. She's crying out to the king for her house 
and for her land, for her inheritance that God had given to her. Are you crying out to God for your inheritance? Are you searching out the things of God that he's given to you as he restored your life in Christ Jesus, our Lord? Are you crying out to him and saying, what is this that's going on? Are you crying out to him and in the word and saying, Lord, I want to know what this means. I want to add to my faith. I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of you. And I want to be able to tell other people. Watch this. This woman's crying out to the king. And at the same time, look, verse 4. Then the king talked with Gehazi. Remember Gehazi? Elisha's servant. The servant of the man of God saying, tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now listen to me. Notice the perspective of this king who's not serving God. He wants to know what Elisha has done instead of what God has done through Elisha. This is how you mess up a person's walk. Oh, look what they're doing. Oh, look what he's doing. Oh, look how great that church is. Listen. Listen. Elisha is doing nothing but what God is doing through him. Everything that Elisha does, God does through him. Every word that Elisha has, it's the word of God. God give him the word to give to the people. Perspective has to be right. Do not exalt the messenger. Remember that the message comes from God. Now, I'm talking, there, there's places where you're supposed to honor leaders and do things and honor fathers and mothers. There's, there's, there's places of authority that we honor. But I'm saying don't overly extend and exalt. They want to make Elisha a rock star. And the king is like, tell me all the good things that Elisha has done. Elisha's done nothing except obey God. He's obeying God's word. He's allowing God to use his vessel for his glory. Just remember that. Now it happened, verse 5. Now listen, this is, let me just really quickly say, Remember Gehazi is the servant of Elisha, right? But what did he do when this Syrian left when leprosy came down? Remember? Gehazi has leprosy. Do you remember that? Chapter 5, Naaman had leprosy. Gehazi snuck off and took some money, and the curse was on him that he would have Naaman's leprosy for the rest of his generations, and so would his family. So this chapter, we believe, is probably out of order. This chapter was probably before chapter 5. And now, I don't know that to be true. There could be some things going on that we don't understand. But listen to me. If you were a leper, you were not allowed to come up on people. Especially, you wouldn't be able to come up on the king. So if Gehazi has leprosy right now, he would never be in the king's court talking to the king. And the king asking him about all the things that Elisha has done. So it has to be kind of maybe put into the text out of order. Or there's some explanation that we don't understand. The king might not have cared. I, I guess the king can do what he wants. And if he's not serving God, he's not obeying the law. So he can allow somebody to be close to him with leprosy. But I would assume that he would be afraid that he would catch the leprosy. So he would not allow a leper to be right there talking to him. So I just wanted to point that out to you. Could be out of order, or it could be that they're just out of order, and, and they're disobedient to God's law and God's word, and he's not afraid of catching it. I don't know what's going on, but notice this. Don't lose, don't lose this. 
He restored them to life. The woman has a relationship. She made a place for the word of God and she obeys the word of God. Even when it doesn't sound like the thing to do, to go somewhere else and leave the land to get sustenance. But see, when the word of God tells you to go somewhere, even when it doesn't make sense, if God is instructing you and as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God, then you want to obey God because he knows what he's doing and he knows what's coming tomorrow. So Gehazi is here. He's the one that has leprosy. If this was before or he's got it now. And in verse 5, Now it happened as he was telling the king how he, how Elisha had restored the dead to life. Remember he's talking about the Shumanite woman and her son made alive that there was the woman whose son he had restored to life. That's the third time. Appealing to the king, crying out to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My Lord, O king, this is the woman right here, and this is her son whom Elisha restored to life. So in other words, there is the living evidence. This is the son. Listen, have you been restored to life? Have you come to Jesus? You were dead in your trespasses and sin, and you come to Jesus. You believed in his blood. You were justified. Have you been restored to life? Are you a dead man that's walking now because of the blood of Jesus? Is anybody testifying? Did you know who he used to be? Here he is right here, O king. Listen to this. There's a testimony going on, people talking about it. He's going, look, right there he is. He's standing before the king, the one whose life was restored to him by the word of God. You're, you're the living word of God, Jesus Christ. His blood will restore your life to you. But then when you have a relationship with him, when you spend time with him and you learn to obey him, he's making you whole. He's sanctifying you. He's washing and cleansing you through the washing of the water, through the word. <clears throat> so she's standing right there. Look at the, the perfect timing of God. And there stands the living example. Verse 6, And when the king asked the woman, so the king inquires, she told him the testimony. So the king, hearing this, listen, the king appointed a certain officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. That is awesome. Listen to me. You know, when you were restored to life to Jesus Christ, you know that there was a certain officer, the Holy Spirit, that would come in and sealed you and was appointed to you to, to lead you and to wash you and cleanse you and to take you through the Word of God and to restore everything back to you that sin had taken so that you have your full inheritance back into the family of God. Now the Holy Spirit becomes the one who leads you to the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ leads you back to the Father. And you're in the Father's house. And this woman, all because she obeyed the word of God. Wow, go somewhere? What do you mean? So you could question the prophet. 
You can question the word of God. You can question what God says that I'll, I'll sanctify and cleanse you if you believe by faith. If you just get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, I'll make you whole. I'll restore you. I'll make you a witness for me. I'll give you power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You can go, I don't know about all that. Or you could just obey the word of God. And you can have a relationship that begins with obedience to God. And part of obedience is confessing when you're not. If you're not reading and spending time with God and drawing near to God and letting the good medicine go down in you, then today's the day to confess that and to begin to do it with God. Because He wants to restore you to whole. He wants to give you everything back that the devil stole from, from mankind in the garden. See, we were always supposed to be with God forever in fellowship that was not to be broken. But there was this demon, this devil, this diablos, this one who wanted to interfere with this great love of God that he wanted to pour out upon his creation. And God knew it was coming. And that's why he's always been working and he's still working and he's redeeming and reconciling and restoring people to life. But what do you have to do? You have to believe the word of God. You have to trust the word of God. You have to come to the word of God and gain the knowledge of God through the scriptures and believe him and trust him and ask him for strength and power and might to obey him. Notice everything was restored. Even though there's a famine, because she obeyed the word of God, her and her son, her household was protected, taken care of, and even while she was gone, somebody, this officer, tallied up everything that was grown, everything that was sown, everything that was there, and what would have been there, and gave it all back. Exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever hope for or ask. That's what God does when he restores your life. But we have to trust him. We have to believe him. Or, here's contrast. Here we go with the contrast. You ready for the contrast? Look at this next person. Then Elisha went to Damascus. Got his salvation. This is a Gentile nation, Damascus. And Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, was sick. Listen, listen. He's feeble. He's sick. That's what the word means. Sick means he's infirm, he's wounded. Listen, to think about it. First, first God goes to the Shumanite woman. This is to the nation of Israel. And then now he's going to go to the Gentile nation, the same way we see it in the Bible. All, first he'd come uh, uh, to the Jew first and then to the Greek, right? Now watch what happens. Elisha went to Damascus. That's the capital city of Syria. It's really weird. Damascus means silent is the sackcloth weaver. I was like, what? And then Ben-Hadad, just the son of Ben, is always son. Uh, and there's a false god, Hadad. That's a title here. King of Syria was sick. And it was told him, saying, the man of God has come here. Now, it, maybe it's a little uncommon for the prophet to go to Damascus, to go into foreign lands. And he would, but but uh, it's, it's fine. There's no big deal to be someplace testifying of God. But the king who is sick hears that the man of God has come there. So they know the reputation of Elijah, right? 
And the king said to Haziel, remember Haziel? Listen, Hazel means, notice L on the end of it. L is God, single for God, E-L. L-O is dual, L-O. And then Elohim is triune God. In Genesis, when it said, let us make man in our image, it was us as Elohim, the triune God. And when you see this, you see Haziel had a godly upbringing, and his name means God has seen. Now hang on to that, because what is God seeing? God sees his heart. God sees his plans. God knows what Haziel is going to do. Listen to me, because the Word of God knows that about you. The Word of God knows about what's in your heart, what your plans are, what you're going to do. And it searches the thoughts and intents of your heart. It's, it divides the soul and the spirit, we're told in Hebrews 4.12. Watch this. The king is sick. He hears there's a man of God there, the prophet Elijah. He probably has heard the testimonies of Elijah. Think about it. This is Syria. Maybe there's something written down when Naaman the leper was healed by going to Elisha. Let's watch. Take a present in your hand and go to meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him, saying, Shall I recover from this disease? Isn't that what the world calls sin, a disease? They call it a disease because they don't want you to they don't want you to know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The world is renaming and, and, and underneath the sway of the wicked one, the world is renaming all the sin. They're renaming everything that God calls sin, and they call it a sickness. They call it some type of a of, a, of an itis. They call it something that's a disease. That way you'll never have to worry about it being a sin. Um Present is a donation, a tribute. It's actually a sacrifice or an offering. It's a present. Now think about this. If you, if you offer, he's trying to buy his recovery, isn't he? He's trying to buy the man of God to give him a favorable. Listen, you can't buy salvation from God. You can't buy restoration of life. You can't buy from God these things. All you can do is surrender to God and trust in his will. You can receive his son, Jesus, and he will restore you to life. You can draw near and get into the word of God, and he will grow you up in the, in the most holy of faith. But this king thinks he can buy a favorable report. So Haziel, verse 9, went, he's obeying, watch, Haziel's obeying the earthly king to meet him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus. Look at this. 40 camel loads. And he came and stood before him and said, Your son, Ben-Hadad. Look at that. Your son, Ben-Hadad. Listen, is this, is this guy claiming to know God? Is he claiming to be a son of God? This is the prophet of God. Lots of people are claiming to be children of God, but they're not listening to the Spirit of God or the Word of God. They're not being led. The Bible clearly tells us in Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Ben-Hadab wants to act like he's flattering the word of God and says, I'm a son. Your son Ben-Hadad, Haziel would say, king of Syria, has sent to me 
sent me to you saying, shall I recover from this disease? Now listen to, he brings 40 camel loads. How much can a camel carry? My goodness, listen to me. Do you know that a camel can drink 30 gallons of water, one camel, in one drinking? Do you know that oh, we was watching the other day on TV and they showed a camel, remember that camel? Eating these big cactus, the cacti from the desert with thorns on them that big and their mouth is made where they can just hop and chomp. They, <laughs> this camel was chomping on that cactus, wasn't he? I was amazed by it. 30 gallons of water can eat cactus. Camels are pretty amazing. But here we got 40 camel loads. What is, whoa, 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 whoa. Why 40? Listen, 40 is the number of judgment. 40 is the number of judgment. I don't care how much you carry to God. All you can do is surrender and be washed in the blood. You have to receive the free gift of God. You can't do it any other way. This is judgment against him for trying to buy his restoration in life. He's trying to buy it. He's trying to earn it. He's trying to say, I'm a king. I can get it. But all he can do is humble himself. That's the only thing you can do. Just like the Shumanite woman with her son, you humble yourself. She even told Elisha when Elisha said, what can I do for you? She said, I don't need anything. And remember his servant said, wait a minute, her husband is old and she has no children. She probably needs a son to take care of her in her old age. And remember, she said, oh, don't play with me. And then Elisha says, next year you'll have a son. And she, she births a son. And then as he grows up, he goes into the field. He's restored to life because this woman believed God. He's made whole because this woman believes God. So she has fruit in her life. And that's what we want to look for. When you hear the word of God, you obey the word of God, then God produces fruit in your life and you are restored to life and you can tell others. But now 40 is the number of judgment. 40 camel loads and we're going to see judgment come upon Ben-Hadad. Watch this. Shall I recover? You see that four times just like you see restored to life. But you know what's funny? The word recover there, the exact same word for restore in the text before. It's the exact same word, but they translate it recover instead of restore to life. Will I be restored to life? Or will I be restored from this disease? That's what Ben-Hadad is saying. Here, here's some money. Can I give you that? Can I buy it? No, you can't. No, you can't. Verse 10, and Elisha said to him, go say to him this is the word of god go say to him you shall certainly recover however the lord has shown me that he will really die now many people will look at that and go what so the word of god lied no he didn't lie he said he will recover from this disease but he's going to die See, God is restoring life, and he's given us life, and we're never going to die again. We'll give up this body, but then we'll be present with the Lord. But Ben-Hadad is going to recover from this disease, but he's going to die another way. He's going to die. Because he thought he could buy. And judgment is upon him. Look at this. Look what happens. Verse 11. Then he set his countenance in a stare until he was ashamed and the man of God wept. 
Remember when Jesus wept over Lazarus? The word of God, the man of God, the prophet of God here, Elisha, God is salvation, is weeping. But he looked at Haziel until Haziel was ashamed. He's looking at him and staring at him so long. Remember, Haziel means God has seen. And he set his countenance on him, and that's his face, until Haziel became pale. That's what ashamed means. He, he became confounded. He's looking, he's going, why are you staring at me? Why are you looking at me that way? Listen, God is looking at the world right now. He's already, with his love, came near, and he's demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there's many people that God is looking at and saying, are you going to receive my favor? I'm pursuing you with a never-ending love. And we, we ignore God. He loves us. He wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. And here he is. He's looking. The word of God is looking at Haziel until Haziel becomes ashamed. Why is he looking at him so long? He knows his heart. He knows his mind. He knows his plans. And Haziel said, why is my Lord weeping? You know what? If you, were, if you were God Almighty and you gave your greatest possession and people rejected him, wouldn't that make you weep? You allowed your son to die. And there's freedom. There's restoration of life there if you will obey the word of God. And people will try to buy their way out. People will try. And he's got to judge also. And we're seeing judgment here, 40. We're seeing those who will listen and obey the Shumanite woman in her household are restored to life. And we're seeing here the death and the judgment and the justice of God as he weeps. He doesn't want to kill anybody. He doesn't want. But because he's a just God, he has to. He answered, this is what the word of God said. The prophet of God said to Haziel, God has seen because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds you will set on fire. Their young men you will kill with the sword. And you will dash their children and rip open their women with child. Do you see such evil? Do you see that? Listen, the word of God, the prophet of God is looking right at Haziel and sees his heart sees the thoughts and intents of his heart and tells him what he's going to do. And listen, Haziel doesn't even believe it. Listen, but Haziel said, verse 13, but what is your servant, a dog, that he should do this gross thing? And Elisha answered, the Lord has shown me that you will become king over Syria. Think about it. Haziel, one, either is hiding his plans or he doesn't even know his own heart. And the Bible will fan that out that we don't know our own heart. Only God knows our heart. And that's why we need the word of God as a mirror to look into. And we look at the word and it tells us our heart. It tells us that we're ungodly. It tells us that there's none righteous. And it tells us that God has demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were unrighteous, Christ died for us. It tells us that there's a free gift. You don't have to send 40 camels. You don't have to try to buy it. But this right here, the prophet with the word of God is telling him what he's going to do. And maybe he doesn't believe it. Maybe he rejects the word of God here. Maybe he says, I don't believe your word. What am I, a dog? That I should do this gross thing that you're talking about? 
Listen to me. We don't know our own hearts. Get in the word of God and let it be a mirror to your heart. Let it tell you your heart and confess it to the Lord. The Lord doesn't lie. The word of God is a mirror to your soul. It will tell you the thoughts and intents of your heart. Don't continue in your plans. Turn. Don't continue in your ideas. Turn. Don't continue in your sin. Turn and trust the word of God. Draw near to God. Listen to what happened. Then he departed. Who? Haziel departed from Elisha. Have you departed from the word of God? Listen, the word of God. Is, think about this. He said such crazy things there. You would think, oh, am I a dog? I think Haziel knew, his, knew what he was planning to do. So he got away from the word of God. See, the word of God will convict you of sin. The word of God will keep you from sin if you stay close to the word of God. But if you get away from the word of God, you'll start carrying out your sin. You know, in 1 Kings 19, 15, that, let me just read it to you. 1 Kings 19, 15, we already knew that this was going to happen. 1 Kings 19, 15 then the Lord said to him, to Elijah, Go, return on the, your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshah, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, that you shall anoint as prophet in your place. See, that was the last thing Elijah did. Haziel knows that he's supposed to be king. He's already been anointed as king. So instead of him waiting for God to do it, he's making plans. And the word of God comes to him and tells him what he's going to do. And he goes, what am I, a dog? Listen, he already knows what he's supposed to do. But he's supposed to wait on God to make him king. He's not supposed to make it happen. What's your plans in your heart? What's your sin? What are you doing instead of waiting on God? So anyway, verse 14, then he departed from Elisha and came to his master. He came back to uh, Ben-Hadad, who said to him, what did Elisha say to you? And he answered, he told me you would surely recover. You're going to be restored. But, look at verse 15, it happened on the next day that he took a thick cloth, dipped it in water, spread it over his face so that he died, and Haziel reigned in his place. He took the throne. Now this guy was a common guy. He wasn't a son of Ben-Hadad. He wasn't a son of the king. He was just this servant of the king who had been sent to get a report and take these camel loads and try to buy. And judgment comes upon the king through Haziel. He takes a sheet or whatever it is, dips it in water, and he smothers him to where he can't breathe and he kills him death. When you depart from the word of God, there's going to be death in your path. When you depart from the word of God and you follow your plans and follow your sins and follow your ways and you don't let the word of God do surgery on your heart, there's going to follow death. There's going to follow death. Listen, God's the great physician. 
He knows how to use the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and cut away at your heart and build up the other part of your spirit and do what he's supposed to do to restore you to life. You can be like the Shumanite woman and her son that are restored to life by listening and obeying the Word of God. And part of obeying is confessing when you're not. Or we can be like the king of Damascus and Haziel and continue in what we want to do and ignore the word of God and depart from the word of God. See, that's what's going on today in our world. Even when you announce that, that God is bringing judgment, when you announce that there's a famine for the word of God, when you announce what Paul wrote so many years ago to Timothy in chapter 3 of, of 2 Timothy 3, he said, that, know this, in the last days will be perilous times. A reduction of strength because we walk away from the word of God. We depart from the word of God. That they're going to have teachers that tickle their ears and they raise up these people that don't even know the word of God. Or they've got psychology and sociology and every other ism. They've been spoiled and cheated by the devil. When he said, remember, remember where he says over in Colossians? Careful lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit according to the basic or according to tradition or the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. Christ is the word of God, not according to the word of God. And spoil or cheat means to choose for oneself. That's what the devil does. When you listen to his lies, when you think you can take camel loads and you can buy your way to, to restoration, when you think you can use money or this world resources or any other thing to come to restoration of life other than the blood of Jesus and the word of God, you're in the pathway of death. You're in a perilous place. And if you go read 2 Timothy chapter 3, you'll see at the end of the chapter, the antidote is there. The cure is there. The truth is there. It says for Timothy to stay in the scriptures, which makes you wise for salvation, because all scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God and, yes, the woman of God might be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. The word of God. Do not depart from the word of God. So much of the church is apostate. They don't know the word of God. So now that things start falling into place on the planet and they don't even know what God is doing when he wrote it down in his Bible, his love letter to us, he's told us what he's going to do. Listen, things aren't crazy on the planet. Things are falling right into place according to what God has written in his word. Get in his word and study it. Draw near to him and ask him for wisdom to live in these perilous times and how we're supposed to posture and position and place ourselves to be ready to help others come to Jesus as we see the Antichrist kingdom coming to life oh we're seeing all of it it's been coming but God is allowing it to come don't forget God or excuse me Satan is mighty but God is almighty God is the one in control we're on his timetable just like in the fullness of time Christ came right now the devil is planning all of his things to, to rule the kingdoms and to rule the nations and to rule the land by power and fear and might. 
and God laughs at him, Psalms 2 says. God laughs at the nations that join together and want to create a kingdom against God. And they say no to God. And they don't want to retain God in their knowledge. What say you? Have you departed from the Word of God? Or are you drawing near to the Word of God in a love relationship, trusting Him, thanking Him for His peace, thanking Him that He would save wretched sinners like us, Listen, draw near to God. Confess your sin. Ask Him to help you to forsake your sin, to turn from it. Trust in the power of God to walk away from it and tell others about this God. Be a witness. We need people in our life just like Gehazi that was saying that this, this son was restored to life. There's testimonies that we should be giving to others about what God is doing, not just in our life, but in the lives of the people around us as we see them come to life and being made whole and walking in the gospel, being led by the Spirit as we're called to do. Not led by our plans because our plans will be judged by the Word of God and will lead to death. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you would say to the church. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.